0: I'm Libby. And I'm Farin. And this is the tip of the iceberg. That's that staff support we're talking about. (laughs) in unison I thought that was gonna flop
1: yep because of our ethical communication that's right
0: we're, we're a really good staff team we are in sync <laughs> well I guess you figured out by now that there's more of us than just Farron and I right um we have all of our advocates minus one with us today and we're gonna give you an inside scoop as to what the advocate life is so if you all want to just who, who's in the room basically is what I'm saying
1: My name is Sydney, I'm the newest staff member, and I'm serving as volunteer coordinator.
2: My name is Brittany, and I am the housing and life skills coordinator, which I obviously still find hilarious. Why? Because it's basically like adulting, and the thought of me coordinating that is- You're an adult. You are a full grown adult. You are a woman. Full grown. Okay, I will. I will try to remember that okay. <laughs> in the future.
0: Just say it to yourself over and yeah. over again. Every I am an adult wearing that giant pillowcase. <laughs> Your smuggy-like item. Yep. Okay. Great. Great.
3: <laughs> okay. I'm Katrina. I'm the campus services coordinator here at Safe Project.
0: And then obviously there's Fair and I. Yeah, and once you guys know us, right? We need no introduction. <laughs> Correct. (laughs) Yeah, because
4: you've been listening to our stuff for weeks, months.
0: Or if you haven't, welcome.
4: Or if you haven't, welcome. I assume they have been, if they're jumping in on this episode.
0: Who's to say? This is what's... It's an exciting episode. Well, okay, so I'm Farron. I'm the
4: director of SAFE. Good. Good work. Just in case you don't know me.
0: And I am Libby, and I am the outreach coordinator. But... While we all have different roles, like Sydney said, she was a volunteer coordinator, Brittany's adulting, blah, 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 whatever, we also all do client work, so we're all advocates with clients. So um, I've mentioned this before, half the time I'm out in the community doing presentations or doing stuff like that, and the other time I'm working with clients one-on-one in an advocacy setting. So while they all have different jobs, they're all advocates here. Yep. So, we have some really exciting things to talk about as advocates, but before we jump into that, I wanted to mention some feedback that we got and kind of debrief about that. Um, Someone commented on our podcast recently, um, and I can't find it anymore, so I don't know if it got taken down or what, but they mentioned that they didn't feel like we were taking this topic seriously enough and that we were kind of poking fun at it, and I... Totally, totally get that and I respect that. And um, I want everyone listening to know that that was a really conscious choice on our part is when we were trying to decide how do we want this podcast to be, it was a conversation about, you know, this is a really serious topic and how do we educate people about what's happening, but at the same time make it relatable and also not too depressing. And so it was a conscious choice to include humor and to kind of, keep this lighthearted because this is work that we do day in and day out. And um, if, if you do this work, you probably know that you can't be 1000% serious all the time. Otherwise you're just going to burn out and not, not be a good advocate anymore. So or be an alcoholic. Yep. That's a possibility. (laughs) Yep. Yep. (laughs) Um, But um, we get it. We get it. How, if you don't do this work, you might not see that. And you might think that we're coming off a little too informal. Yeah, I guess informal or maybe lax, or we're we're making too many jokes. And um, I want, I hope that it's communicated through our podcast that we have a lot of respect for this issue, and we have a lot of respect for survivors. And so we don't mean to come come across in a way that that shows we don't. Um, I guess that's what I have to say about that. Yeah. I mean, I think you said everything that I would say about that. Yeah. So um, if, if that rubs you the wrong way, we totally, totally get it. And I understand that this might not be the podcast for you. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not an accident. It's no. part of our, our thoughtful plan for this podcast. So. Right. Yeah. So I just wanted to give some time in case anyone else was feeling that way or um, had questions about that. I thought we'd chime in. Okay, terrific. Well, we'll jump in with our conversation then. Um, I wanted this to to be kind of a deep dive into what advocacy is really like. And so we have some stories and we have some things to talk about. I think it would be good to start off with why each of us do this work. Great.
4: Um, So I had never intended to do DVSA work when I was growing up and when I first um, went to school, Um, but I really fell in love with um, the Gender and Women's Studies program at the university. And through that, obviously there's a lot to learn about violence against women um, and violence against marginalized people, even even if those people are not women, right? So I really felt passionate and felt like it would have been a a disservice to myself had I graduated from the university and not done something um, that I was really passionate about. I felt like it would be a waste of those years and a waste of that that drive that I had. So um, Safe Project was in the community, and I I knew about the organization from the university, um, and I applied for a job, and I got it. So I've been here ever since.
0: And we're so glad you
4: did.
3: Thanks. I can go next. Um, This is Katrina. I grew up in a household of all women, and so a little bit like Farron in the sense I didn't necessarily know that domestic violence sexual assault work is what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to do something that empowered women. because that was something that was really important in my household. Um, When I got to the university, I really could not figure out what I wanted to do. Um, I changed my major a few times and also ended up with the Gender and Women's Studies program and found that I connected to it. Um, While in college, I started volunteering with SAFE Project, and that's kind of what led me to DVSA work. And I have been here for four and a half years and I can't imagine switching my career
0: at this point. Interestingly enough, that is like a little bit opposite. Both of your experiences a little bit opposite of how I found myself in this work, which I didn't realize until this moment because it wasn't. So I noticed in you guys talking that it was a drive to empower women and it was more on the gender based violence side of things. When I started, when I was in school, I developed a real serious itch for trauma work. Mm-hmm. And so trauma is a huge umbrella, right? Like there's a lot that could be that could be said about trauma and I could work in a lot of different fields relating to trauma. But as time went on, I kind of narrowed from there. Like I liked trauma work and I liked crisis work and then... From that point on, when I would do research and when I would pick projects, it kind of all narrowed its way to DVSA work. And then when I did an internship, I did, I did it in a DV shelter and felt really, really at home. So I think it's funny that you guys started with gender-based violence and, like, broadened to domestic violence and sexual assault. And for me, I narrowed. I never realized that until right yeah, now. that is interesting. That's interesting. But I found, I found my home in DVSA work for sure. <laughs> I can't imagine myself doing something different.
1: Mrs. Um, Sydney. when I was a freshman in college, I started a body positivity club on campus, and there was a lot of positive feedback, and I really loved how people responded and the ways that women especially talked about feeling differently about themselves. I would say overall though, it wasn't the most successful movement building. So while I learned a lot from it, I think it also taught me that there's a lot of room to grow. Um, Through that organization, I ended up finding women's studies similar to Katrina and Farron, and I ended up getting a minor in it. Um, And I found it really interesting. And so I wanted to put that Education to practical use, and I had heard of Safe Project and I loved the idea. And so, as soon as I could, I started volunteering. And this position opened up, and it really combined my interest in doing that direct service work as well as kind of the administrative, teaching, educating piece of things. Um, And so far, it's been a dream. I think knowing that I'm the newest staff member and that we're kind of in our lull season I'm interested to see what happens this summer um and kind of to find out I guess what I'm made of um yeah because I know that this work isn't for everyone and so part of me is nervous but part of me is really excited to see okay how am I is this the right place for me am I good at this or is this something that's going to help me figure out that this isn't the right place. Yeah. You know, so and, kind of doing that challenging work.
0: And you kind of don't know until you try. You know? Yeah. And, and so it is interesting. Like, like Sydney was saying, we, we do see a lull in people reaching out for services in like winter, early spring. Um, and we get super busy in the summertime, but this lull ever since I started, they've been like, this lull is coming. This lull is coming. And it is, it, we've been slower the last couple of weeks, but up until this point, it's been it's been pretty busy still. Not like summertime busy, but pretty busy. And so for completely different reasons, I'm very excited for the summer as well because it's like, are we going to continue to just be crazy out of control busy? Or is it just going to kind of, you know what I mean? Is it going to follow the trend or is it just going to snap back to what it's been?
3: Well, and I think that's what's so crazy about this work is every trend you think you know is not always the trend yeah right because two summers ago we were super slow and then we were clearly slammed last summer and then we were busy in the winter which typically we're not so a lot of people ask me because I've been here for so long like what are good days to take hotlines like when are we the busiest and the truth is is it's happening all the time and so it's busy when people feel that they are able to reach out
2: Mm-hmm. Or, as you'll find out later, you can just sign up for Hotline when Libby is on, and you'll be guaranteed a good, t- I mean, That's not a not, good time, but, like,
0: a, a busy, an exciting busy, busy time. Good time. That's not necessarily always the case. I've just had some really, I, some of them are slow, but some of them, some of my hot lunches are crazy. Yeah,
3: it's like, the longer you're here, you're going to have crazy weekends. Yeah, it's
0: just what happens. Except for mine was, like, my first real weekend, but, first? Or second? First, yep. Yep. All right, Brett.
2: Okay, this is Brittany. Um, As some of you may know if you've listened to all of the podcasts before this one, um, I'm a survivor of domestic violence, and that kind of guided my educational and professional interests from the get-go because I didn't really go to college, like, seriously until after I'd already been in that relationship. So... I just was trying to figure out how to make this a profession for myself or a career choice. Um, Because I didn't at that time know that these programs even existed. I just knew that I wanted to turn my experience into something other than, I guess, a, a negative or a traumatic experience for myself. I wanted to turn it into something that I could use to help other people. Um, and so that's, that's really why I'm in this work in general. Um, I was really interested in going into research at one point, but um, I realized that there's already so much research out there and we just need more people on the ground level to actually use that research um, to make a, a bigger, more positive difference in survivors' lives. And so that's why I went into advocacy instead of something that's more of a
0: um, macro type level. Cool. Well, as you can see, we, I don't, I don't know if you can see, but we have an amazing team here and I I love working with them. So um, I'm happy that you kind of got to meet all of them. All right. So I think the next thing we wanted to bring up was that this work we mentioned earlier is, is difficult. There's good moments and there's definitely bad moments. Um, But we wanted to talk about maybe some of our favorite client experiences and some of the times where it felt, much more rewarding. Does anybody want to jump on that? Yeah,
2: I can jump in on that. Um, This is Brittany. So as the housing and life skills coordinator, part of my job is helping to coordinate uh, when a client moves into their own place and help them to get furniture and um, just kind of help them actually move furniture into their place. And that's always been one of the best parts of my job specifically is just being with them in their own place and seeing their faces how proud they are to be at that point and um, to be independent and just so hopeful
0: for the future yeah that makes sense especially because I I don't know I would imagine in some clients that I've worked with stable housing is probably not something that's been had forever maybe Mm -hmm. for some clients like they never have had, I did an internship with, in a DV program and that was kind of my job too. And it, it was cool because one time I was doing a similar thing and she said, this is the first apartment I've ever had. And she had three kids and she was in like her early 40s. And she said, this is my first place that I can actually call my home. I I think, wow. yeah, it's, it's crazy.
3: It makes the job
0: rewarding. Yeah.
3: I think it's great, too, when you hear back from clients like who um, have gone so far. So, for instance, we got a picture of a client and her family in a completely different city and state where she... We hadn't worked with her for, like, two years, but she wanted us to know that she was doing well and she was sustainable. And I think knowing that and seeing that really shows like okay my work did matter like even though she came to shelter multiple times and had a really hard time leaving like we did make a difference in that person's life
2: and sometimes it's not just waiting you know or hearing from a client years after i remember when i first started this job i um helped a client get a bus to get back to a different state and she had been here and had not known anybody. And she just wanted to be back where her supports were, where her family and her kids were and stuff. And I think usually when we put somebody on a bus to go somewhere else, we expect to not ever hear from them again.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, um, which is kind of nerve wracking because, you know, you want to make sure that they're safe and that they're going to be okay. But, um, she actually called back the next week and had gotten there safe. And she was just so happy to be, where her support was. And so thankful that we had put her on that bus. So that was really nice to hear back from her.
3: Yeah. I think it's also like, as far as good client experiences, something that we don't talk enough about is when people come back for services. Like Mm -hmm. we're talking a lot about individuals who have become sustainable or moved into their own housing. But truthfully, that's not, the norm if you will it does take a lot of time and a lot of work um to get sustainable and so I think it's super positive and it shows that we are great at trauma-informed practice when somebody comes back six months later like I need help again like that's a great client experience in my opinion
0: yeah and that's when you know we've done our job well
3: right yeah
0: because that is and I don't I feel like we mentioned this in a previous episode briefly, but I can't even imagine how difficult that would be to come and stay in a shelter like ours. Maybe you stay for a couple of months and you work really, really hard to become sustainable and to, to build a new life. And then when stuff happens and you find yourself in a similar situation or maybe back in the first one to begin with, that would be so difficult to reach back out to that program and say, okay, well, things did not go as planned. Um, and now this is where I am. I, I can't even imagine the bravery that that takes to come back and say, I need more help. Absolutely. Yeah, I see your point for sure. But, you know, there are also times that things do not go as planned with clients. Right. That doesn't always happen. And because of that, I think a lot of us at this table have like some <laughs> crazy client stories. Yeah um I guess I'll share one I so Brittany mentioned earlier that I've had some crazy hotline shifts and she is correct um I guess one of my favorite ones and I will say genuinely that it's one of my favorite hotline shifts because although it was super crazy and chaotic I don't know there are so many pieces of it that's just like when so many things go wrong in a row at a certain point, you just kind of have to like sit back and say, "This, <laughs> this is what's happening," and you got to enjoy the ride. Yeah, because even even just like statistically, like how many things can go wrong in a row? Right. And in that case, you just got to be honored to be a part of that journey. Yeah. And that had definitely happened to me. It was I was still a pretty new staff member here, and it was I don't I think Katrina said it was my first time on hotline, and so what that looks like is like I have the twenty four hour. Um, hotline phone and so anyone who calls um, you know sometimes we have volunteers too but anyone who calls goes right through to me and so I handle all the situations and so I was on the hotline for a weekend and I think we I got some calls from from people that we hadn't worked with before but the majority of what, what happened that weekend was in our shelter and so I think it started out Like it was a Friday evening and I remember specifically I was vacuuming my car because that's like a Zen moment for me, vacuuming my car and I was really excited about it. But I got a call from one of our shelter clients who's like, "Um, there's a strange man here walking up and down our shelter and what like 911 basically. And so I said, "Okay, we'll just like stay inside. I'm going to call the police. So I called the police and they headed out there. And I was really near the shelter because that's where all the vacuums are, I guess. And so I drove over there and, like, parked it Yeah, Sydney knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, I've used those vacuums. They're, they're good. They're free. Yeah, they're free. They're free.
1: Wow, they are? It was yes. a
0: really good experience what? for me. Oh, <laughs> Free my
1: vacuums. It's amazing. Yeah. This so, is the best part of the huh. story for me. <laughs>
0: It's relatable. We all love to vacuum our cars. Okay. For free. For
2: For
1: free. free. I love free stuff.
0: (laughs) So I drove, I was just a couple minutes away and I drove back and I like parked across from the shelter trying to be so sleuthy because if there's like a dude over there banging on all the doors, I'm not just going to jump up on in that, you know? No, no. So I waited for, I waited for the officers to show up and when they did, I think by the time I got there, the guy wasn't there anymore, but I waited for the officers to show up and and, uh... We talked a little bit about what happened, and I was like, wow, what a a crazy experience. That's probably the craziest thing I'll deal with this weekend. Well, it wasn't. (laughs) It really wasn't. (laughs) So I think I got like a half hour out, and I had just made it home or something, and I got another call, and it was from a shelter client, again, who said, I don't know what's going on, but we're having a fight. My roommates are fighting, and it's an argument. And I I couldn't hear anything in the background. And I just just kind of assumed like, they got into some sort of drama of some sort. And so I just decided to head back out here better safe than sorry. And when I got in there, I opened I opened the door to the shelter. And it was not exactly what I expected. Because when I opened the door, they were kind of like circling each other and screaming. Almost like, Musical theater, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I mean. what is what is that musical that, you know, snapping? Three, uh, uh, West Side Story. West Side Story. That's what it is. It was definitely a West Side Story situation. They were like circling each other. There wasn't any snapping, but that would have been cool. So <laughs> they were they were like literally screaming in each other's faces, and um, it. I don't even remember what happened next. It was crazy. I think what happened is like I just separated them, not physically, because I don't think that would have worked. No. No. Not in that moment. Not in that moment. No. Um, but so like one of them went outside and one of them stayed inside, and, and I was like, oh, this is perfect. I'm handling this so well. This is great. And so like I I put one in their room and then I go outside to talk to the other person. And while I'm outside, we're having this conversation about what's going wrong. And all of a sudden, this this person from another, another unit in the shelter comes out and says, like, "I need your help right now," and I, I said, "Okay, all Wait, right." So
2: all of this happened in one night. I thought yeah, it, it was, was no, spread out along the weekend. No, oh, no, in honey, one, one night yeah 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 yeah, yeah. So it was like bam 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 yeah like all at the same
4: time literally the same moment right yeah, yeah. I like i was hopping worse from, than it, it was spread out well, i mean I, I, you were I, I, here I, anyway you didn't have to drive out money?
0: four times mm-hmm. yeah sure right yeah okay so i'm dealing with this person who's like bawling and saying something about how the the other person i don't know knows her perpetrator and right. I, I don't know what was going on but um and she was so afraid and so upset and so angry. And, and this other person comes out and says, like, I need your help right now. And I say, like, can this wait? And I'm kind of like... like middle of something. Like, obviously there's something going on here. And she's like, no, immediately. And I said, okay. And so I I, I asked the person to sit on the curb. Mm-hmm. Like, as you would, you know. Please don't go back in and continue Please the fight. Please do not go back in and continue the fight. That was my concern at that moment. Yeah. Like, I'm going to walk away and there's going to be actual laying on of hands that's what's gonna happen right um so i run over to the other unit okay run is generous i sauntered calmly to the other unit and um like walk in and i see this girl that was in shelter at the time laying on the floor in the kitchen (laughs) she's just like laying there and the scene is kind of a mess at this point too because it in the kitchen there's like the microwave door is open and there's like lo mein noodles hanging off the counter. <laughs> what? <laughs> it was a chaotic scene is what yeah, I'm getting at. Okay. And she's laying on the floor. And so like my first my first thoughts are did the microwave explode? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because there were noodles everywhere. Explode and cause an injury? Yes. Well, yeah, I'm that just, was my
2: concern. Picturing yeah. sure if it was a different sure. type of noodle, it might have
0: looked like brains. Ew. I mean, <laughs> hey, Brittany. That was not That's it. Not. It was not brains. All right. But I honestly had to take a second as I walked in and assess the situation. And I'm like, what is... Honestly, what's going on? Because yeah. there's someone like strewn about on the floor, noodles on the wall, the microwaves. all, oh. All awry. I don't know. Um and so I walk over and make sure the girl's okay because at this point I honestly don't know. Like I could have walked in and she would have been dead and I wouldn't have been like that's what it looked like. Yeah. I was kind of expecting that. So I checked for a pulse and she and she's she's breathing. Which is good. Yeah. And so I don't move her. I just I think this is when I called you. Yeah. And what did I say to you mom? I'm
4: in a hotel. So it's my anniversary. Yeah. And I
0: felt so bad yeah, about calling her. I knew was, it was, was your anniversary. So funny.
4: But she, she, you had to give yeah, me call at this point. So my husband and I are at a hotel in Denver and my phone rings and it's late, like shelter check time. Yeah. And I answer and Livy goes, Libby doesn't even say hi. She goes, if somebody's passed out in the shelter, I call paramedics, right? And I said, yeah. And she goes, great. And she hung up on me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like.
0: Well, honestly, because uh, I guess. confidentiality is so tricky. Like, and I the don't other want client to... was
4: there. Right. And it was not the time to explain what was going on. You didn't know what was going on. Right. You no, just no, know, I had you no needed idea. to get help for her.
0: Well, and especially because I I didn't want to, like, if, if this had been a previous conversation, like, hey, sometimes I like to nap in the kitchen. Right. Don't call nine one one. Like sure. I don't know. Maybe I missed that conversation. So sure. I just wanted to be safe, yeah. Rather than breaking her confidentiality unnecessarily. True. Yeah. Absolutely. But in this case, she was not napping in the kitchen. No, she, she was, was definitely out. unconscious. Yeah. Right. And so I did call the paramedics, and and it was the same officer. Well, the dispatcher on nine one one was the same one that I had talked to previously. So I was like, Hey, it's Livy again from Safe Project. You guys want to come back? <laughs> And they made really good time. And they came over quick. And at this point, she was kind of waking up a little bit. Oh, pause. Nope. That's not what happens next. So now I know that paramedics and police and probably a fire truck, because they always show up too, are going to be coming to the shelter. And there are a bunch of other people in shelter this time because it was our busy season. And I knew that they were going to be panicked. When all of these sirens and flashing lights come. Especially
2: since there was that, like,
0: fight. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. And so I, like, again, do not run. (laughs) Because I don't run as a person. But go back to the other shelter where the fight had broken out. And um, they're fighting again. Oh, jeez. So she went back inside. Yeah, basically. Oh, boy. Basically. And I said... And I basically just interrupt them and said, we have a medical emergency and there's going to be, there's going to be medical professionals here. And so please go to your rooms and I will tell you what's going on in a minute because they're like screaming in each other's faces again. And they, they look a little shook and so they just do, which is good. Um, and then I run over to the other unit. We have one other unit and I knock on their door and I, before I even say anything, they're like, wow, stuff's going on out there. They
4: were fine. Yeah,
0: they yeah, were, they were luckily. like, I thought about coming out and checking, but I just figured you you had it under control. So yeah. and I was like, terrific. Well, there will be there will be people here. there will be police, there will be sirens. Just uh, don't panic. Um, and they're like, cool as they like turn back on the Kardashians and go back to their lives. Right. <laughs> they were not concerned. No. So I head back over to to the the unit that the girl passed out in. And at this point, she's kind of waking up and the people are arriving. And so I go in at the same time as the paramedics and she's waking up and super, super groggy. Um, It's still a little unclear as to what happened. I think it was substance related. That I know. Mm -hmm. That I know. So they tried to get her to go to the emergency room to get checked out because who really knows what's going on with that? And she got pretty upset. At first she was like, everything's fine. Everything's fine. I'm totally fine. But then, I mean, it it was pretty clear at that point that that she was not going to be safe in our shelter because obviously she passed out in the kitchen and had her roommate not been there, we would have not known, and she could have been seriously injured. So it wasn't a good choice for her to come back to shelter at that point. Also, for
2: the roommate, I mean, that would yeah. be the roommate was really
0: she was pretty in pieces, and I she feel like was,
2: that wasn't the first or that either wasn't the first or the wasn't the last thing that that roommate had dealt yeah. with either.
4: Yeah. Yeah, the she... roommate was pretty, yeah, shaken.
0: Well, I mean, wouldn't you be? Like, Absolutely. You walk out of your bedroom and there's a girl passed out. Like, maybe yeah, you heard the she microwave pop scared. or whatever. I'm unsure about the the role of the microwave in this experience. Because, <laughs> <laughs> honestly, noodles were strewn about. Yeah. And I don't know if she, like, passed out and, like, confetti her lo <laughs> I don't know what that oh, was man. about. but Yikes. I don't know. So, it was difficult because obviously she shouldn't be coming back to shelter it's not safe for her it's not safe for the roommate it's not safe for other clients it's just not going to be a good situation Mm -hmm. but i don't know what was happening but there were like 15 first responders in that and i am not i am not exaggerating like we went back and looked on the cameras and like a bunch of people went 15 is an exaggeration but there were probably like six and in a small space, yeah, there were, like, two place. officers and four paramedics. And what? And then there were more people outside of the apartment. That's
3: so overwhelming for her. Yeah.
0: And for me, I'll be honest, <laughs> I was overwhelmed. And so now, like, they, I have this huge audience. And I have to tell her, like, she can't come back. And that didn't go well at all. Right. She got upset. Right. And so, like, the, the paramedics eventually convinced her to go to the hospital Which was good because she was in a state at this point. Um, And I think she was still pretty heavily under the influence of whatever she was doing. I don't know. And so they convinced her to go to the hospital. And I said, okay, do you want to take anything with you? Because you're not going to be able to come back to shelter. Um, I told her like four different times in four different ways. And... And she, at first, was like, well, I'll just take my purse. And I said, okay, you can come and pick up the rest of your stuff tomorrow during business hours. And she lost it. She started screaming at me in front of, like, a chorus of paramedics and firemen and police officers. And it was so uncomfortable. Mm. It was the whole thing, like, I'm not safe here. You're the one that's making me not safe, which sometimes happens with clients, unfortunately. They feel that way. And it was just a whole scene. It was so dramatic. And eventually the officer was like, Okay, we're done here. Like, we're not gonna keep doing this. And so she she left at that point once the officer took a more active role. Um, but it was crazy. And then of course, like after all of the all of the ambulances left and all of that jazz, I have to go back to this other apartment where now everyone has cooled off a little bit and it's just we're just all bawling on the floors of our bedrooms mm-hmm. in the shelter and so then that was another fun like hour of talking about if we're okay and and are we gonna make it through the night and what does that look like all the while the person in the other unit was just so chill she had no no issues no and
4: i think it should be said that the woman who fainted or whatever happened in the kitchen had severe substance abuse yeah, issues. It, it wasn't an isolated mm-hmm. incident of somebody coming home after having drank too much at a bar. Like this person, we knew that. Yeah. Uh, and that she, and she basically realized, it was really sad. I yeah. mean, it was really sad, but that was not a safe situation.
0: No, she, she wouldn't have been safe in that situation. And that's why I didn't panic immediately when I first walked in. Right. Because, well, actually... To a certain extent, I feel like I was more calm and then also more nervous because we... Substance abuse had been an ongoing conversation with this particular client and and she had history of overdoses. And so I was like, oh, code red, like... Yeah. Please, please be alive. Right. But then at the same time, it wasn't like some mystery. Like, I don't know, did did the person that was banging on the doors come back? Like... Right. Was she murdered by them? Like there could have been 500 billion explanations. So being able to narrow it to probably this is substance abuse was helpful in sure. that moment.
3: And I think the, the best thing about this story is it shows what our day-to-day lives can sometimes look like mm-hmm. dealing with our clients and also what trauma can do yeah. with clients, right? Like, we acknowledge in the story, like, this was hard and this was, like, a terrible night and there are funny things about it like the noodles but like this is what we see regularly because of trauma
0: yep yep and so when like when we hear feedback like you're not taking this seriously enough I will tell you in that moment I don't know if I could have been taking it more seriously because like it really did feel like life and death and it probably was life and death in that moment and i think as advocates the longer you work in this you are going to experience life and death moments 100 mm-hmm. percent. and and so how if this is your nine to five or like in that case 9 p.m to 5 a.m right. <laughs> if this is your nine to five like you you do have to be flexible in how you cope with that and if that looks like finding humor in the fact that literally everything went wrong in this situation like we had an intruder we had an altercation we had people bawling we had an overdose we had like two paramedic, we had like two times that officers were called out we had and then like that and then the weekend continued and even more crazy stuff happened so i mean sometimes you gotta find joy in the journey <laughs> Yep. Or in the noodles that are stuck to
2: the wall. And I'm sure that in the yeah. moment you weren't laughing about the noodles. No. It
0: wasn't. It's no. not until
2: you're looking back on it that but like, you find <laughs> things to laugh about. That was, pretty,
0: that was pretty weird. Yeah, as advocates,
3: sometimes we say, if you don't laugh, you'll cry. Yeah. When you're processing what you're dealing with in everyday advocacy life.
4: Yeah, yeah. it would be impossible to remain resilient mm-hmm. in your work and work through your burnout if you were just on your a-game all the time and constantly in that fight or flight mode i mean imagine living in that all the time
0: yeah Uh, that would be exhausting well and i mean it's a struggle too because this this story is a really good example of how there are layers like when we're dealing with difficult situations and clients that have a lot of barriers there are huge layers because that was not my easiest day at work i will say and so like In the moment, it was, how do I fix this situation and make sure all of our clients are safe? That's what it was in that moment. And then following that, it was in the car ride home, like, what a terrible experience that was. Oh my gosh, where do I go from here? And then even after that, it's a struggle like, well, shoot, now that person can't come back to shelter because it's not safe for her, it's not safe for the other clients, but what does that mean for her? Is she going to have a safe place to go? Is she going to return to an abusive situation? And then honestly, like, I will be honest, then there's a thought of, like, what's my role in that? Am I the one that's pushing her back into an unsafe situation based on how I handled this whole scenario? And it's really hard. Yeah. It's really hard Mm -hmm. to go through all of those In, like, a very
4: brief amount of time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. In an evening, yeah, yeah, that's a lot. So it's never quite as simple as it looks, I guess. No, yeah. And I, I acknowledge that, like, I had this this story and this like really crazy experience happening to me, but I, I think all of the advocates sitting at the table have had challenging experiences, like maybe where, maybe some worse, maybe some some less hard, but maybe in different ways. I think. This is, kind of, this is kind of par for the course mm-hmm. with advocacy.
2: But at the same time, like, it doesn't happen every single day. Right. Which it might if you're doing advocacy in a big city. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, since I've been at Safe, that's been my, my only... The most hectic. Actually, that's not true. I was going to say that's been my only time where I've had to call medical people. Right. No, you did not...
2: call the police on the
0: cleaner. I did call the police on the cleaner. That wasn't all my fault though. <laughs> but basically I came here late at night once for something and, and I saw like this person walking around in in our office and I was like, what is going on? They were wearing a hoodie. I didn't know anyone was supposed to be here. I was confused because the alarm didn't go off but at the same time like it was it was our cleaner and the police did come. <laughs> yep. yes. that's okay it
4: happens air on the side of caution what are you gonna do yeah.
0: yeah and i was gonna say that's the only time i've had to have had to like call for an ambulance for a client but that time the client had a seizure in the parking lot oh I called yeah too oh
4: it depends on the day yeah it's a yeah. it's a really weird hectic job and we are always operating in the gray yeah most of the time
0: yeah yeah it is super I mean, shelter stories I feel like could be a whole a whole podcast of their series own series of podcasts. I think so. Yeah. Multiple episodes. I agree with you. And then some clients that have lived in a shelter, whether D V or otherwise, I'm sure have a completely different perspective and their stories I'm sure would be much more insane than ours. Oh totally. Because we only see it when we get called. Right. They live in that. All the time. It's crazy. Totally crazy. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of a lot of the days we face here are actually crazy. Yeah. You know, and a, the work we do is hard, like we've talked about. So it's important, like we were talking about earlier, to make sure that we stay healthy so that we can keep providing this level of care for people. Because if we get burnt out, then we can't provide the services that clients need or we are not as nice as we should be or... We aren't focused, whatever. So, self care is a huge conversation in our work. Yeah,
4: and we we really, as an agency, push self care um, pretty strongly on the staff. Our board is very um, supportive of that. So that's really great working for an agency that really encourages mm-hmm. self-care and supports you in that. And I've definitely been to trauma resiliency trainings. Katrina and I went to one a couple years ago where I was, we were with a lot of people who did really hard work, hospice nurses, um, women who worked with cancer, child cancer patients at children's hospital. And over and over again, I was hearing like, it's sort of just an unsaid rule that like, we don't take PTO like, like, my supervisor doesn't let me have wellness time. I don't have opportunities for supervision, and so I, I think although like self care is really important in this kind of work and in any work where you're working with survivors of trauma or um, you know a helping profession, we know that self care is important. But I'm just really disheartened to hear how often it's not um, prioritized at at agencies or even so. like
2: in a unspoken way discouraged right or
4: discouraged by Mm -hmm. supervisors by people in those roles and so I'm really I really try hard to to be as supportive as I can um with self-care and I'm really glad the board is too
0: yeah I think I think you do a good job at it
4: yeah it's really important and I am historically like not the best at self-care um and never have been very good at it and Um, You know, I have two kids and they're little and I'm busy. And so I've really, my board has like, they basically had to come to Jesus with me um, at the end of my first year as the director at SAFE and said, you got to do better. You got to take care of yourself. Um, And I've recognized that. And so I've really tried hard to practice really good self-care. And so some of the ways that I do that are... Um, I love reading. I, um, get massages. I get like two massages a month. Um, I try really hard to decompress and, um, just do things that I like to do for myself, which is kind of a new, a new thing for me in the last six to eight months. Like I, I haven't been very good. Like I've definitely, Jen has come to me multiple times and said like you're at your vacation, rollover max, you need to take some time off, um, So I'm getting better. Um, I just kind of wish that I would have been better at it when I was in your guys' role. Like, I do advocacy now, but not quite as often, obviously, as I'm not on call. I'm not doing advocacy as much as I was three or four years ago. I wish that I would have been better then, but...
0: I'm just laughing because you, twenty twenty. Because you you said I'm doing stuff. What what did you say? I'm doing stuff that I like to now, oh, yeah. and that's kind of a new thing in the last six months. And I just think that's hilarious. You were doing stuff you didn't like to do you've before. Lived like no, a I whole wasn't life. doing anything
4: that I liked to do. I mean, I wasn't doing. I wasn't prioritizing me. I was a hundred percent mom, a hundred percent wife, a hundred percent advocate, a hundred percent director, and there was no
0: time left for. Farron. I bet that's because one of your top five strengths on the finder thing is responsibility. That's my top strength. And so putting, putting yourself in those roles is right. super... And being responsible for those is really important. It's really important. Yeah.
4: And it's hard. And that's not just me. Like, all people, like, who are busy. I mean, yeah. everyone's busy. Yeah. And I think self-care, I really think that the staff here... I've seen everyone struggle with self care, like prioritizing it. Not just like me as a mom, but like even people here who don't have kids and aren't, you know, super, super, super busy all the time at home. They still are like, oh God, I gotta take a wellness hour. I gotta do self care.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Well, I think part of that too is like you're driven to this work for whatever reasons, all those reasons we talked about earlier, but also we recognize like, if you're not doing the work, then like your coworkers are or your coworkers are mm-hmm. taking hotline. And so I think we all struggle with taking that time because we want to make sure we're we're a complete team organization here. So it's like we really wanna make sure that everyone else is cared for and that includes our um, that includes our coworkers too, and so I think that that makes it challenging to want to take yeah. self care hours, yeah.
2: especially in the summer when we probably need it more mm-hmm. than other parts of the year. I find it the most difficult to take my wellness time
0: because yeah, we're slammed. Yeah, it's like when are you gonna when are you gonna do that? But on the flip side of that, I think for me working in this organization, being so team driven, although that does make it hard sometimes to say I'm going to take a vacation because you don't want to leave your coworkers with more work I think that helps me day to day more than almost anything else because if we have good relationships here and if something is challenging like like that crazy story I told the next the next Monday we had conversations almost throughout the whole day about Whoa, that was crazy. What do we do next? How do we go from here? Can we check in on this client? Are you okay? What, where are we at with this? And so, while I think for me, that's a huge part of the self care is like when I'm struggling, I can walk into another office and say, This is terrible. I need to talk about it.
1: And I think building off of that, being a new staff member, because I feel like I can depend on all of you and I feel like there's room to ask questions and also speak my mind when maybe I disagree or have a mm-hmm. different idea or aren't completely sure why something is the way it is. I feel like because we have these really strong relationships, I feel like my voice is heard and I can ask some of those questions that might not be um, apparent to long-time advocates as something that I'm confused about, right? Yeah. Um, so those relationships really have helped. And, I have had very few crazy um, stories, but there was one time that I just felt really crappy about not being able to provide services to someone, and I was able to talk with, with my staff and be like, this was really challenging for me, like, this really sucks, and I get why we do this, but yeah, those relationships make a huge difference, and I feel that because I've already started to build them, as, again, we go into this anticipating a crazy summer, um, I feel like that's really going to help me be a better advocate. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I,
0: I can't Absolutely. imagine
2: doing a job like this, whether it's advocacy or something else where you're working with people that have been through a lot of trauma or in crisis, like with Department of Family Services. I can't imagine doing this kind of stuff without good supervision and without staff members to be able to talk to you about this stuff because I mean, there's there's kind of two reasons why we can't really talk to other people, you know, outside of the office. Like, there's confidentiality concerns, and then also, <laughs> when people find out what I do for a living, they are kind of... I mean, it depends on the person, but a lot of times, they don't want to know, really, what I'm doing on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And so, it's really hard to... Have proper self-care when it's difficult to have conversations with people. But since we can talk to each other about this stuff in the office, and we do have really good um, relationships with each other, we do have that space to be able to process things. And I just can't imagine being able to do this for very long without that. Yeah. And I think too, it's really great to be able to process when you're not being trauma informed. Mm-hmm.
4: You know because. I definitely, even as a director, have times where I tell these guys, like, you guys, what I'm going to say is not trauma-informed, and I know that, but I'm frustrated, and Libby or Katrina or Brittany or whatever, Sydney can sit there and say, like, yeah, like, I totally get how you're feeling, and, like, we can process that, and then at the end of that conversation, come back to a place where now we're being trauma-informed, we kind of come full circle, Mm -hmm. and I feel like if I try to express those frustrations even carefully without obviously disclosing anybody's personal stuff. If I try to express that to like my husband or my mom or like, gosh, today was really frustrating. You know, I'm usually met with like, yeah, I don't know how you, I don't know how you do that work or why. Like that sounds like a shitty job. Yeah. You know, like, that's not what my husband says to me. But I've had friends say that for sure. Like, yeah, that job sounds terrible.
0: Well, and there's so So many... That's not helpful. (laughs) So many stigmas against people who have been through trauma or who have issues with substance abuse or who have, like, a history of homelessness. I I struggle with being one more person to say, gosh, I'm frustrated. This has been Mm -hmm. terrible. This is, like... These are the behaviors that are happening and even if I'm just mending about it, I do not want to be one more person that throws that on whether like on the flip side though if I talk to you guys about that, then you're in the same work so you get it. Totally. You get it and that doesn't change your opinion and doesn't add to a stigma. Totally. So yeah. Yeah, totally. this job
4: is way too hard to not trust your supervisor, to mm-hmm. not trust your coworkers, workers um, and to not feel safe where you work. Like emotionally safe. Yeah. It's too hard. I, it's too hard. Yeah. So I'm really glad that we have this, this team and this environment is safe because
1: it makes it a lot better. Um, I think it's really great too that our staff comes from different backgrounds and different ways of doing things and that diversity of thought, I think brings a lot of different ideas and solutions and ways of problem solving and Maybe that's not quite self-care, but I just think it's really helpful to know that you can go to different people to bounce off ideas mm-hmm. and get that feedback, um, and that feedback-oriented culture
0: really helps to make sure that we're doing the best work possible. Yeah, I could totally agree. So, moral of the story, 10 out of 10 would recommend working at Safe Project. For sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we just have a really good team, I think. And now I'm glad you got to meet them. I'm glad that we got to do a podcast where everyone could share a little bit. So if you have more questions about what's, what it's like to be an advocate, you know, feel free to reach out. Or if you are in need of an advocate, always reach out. We are happy to talk to any clients. Do you think we should try and say our hotline number in, un- in unison? Sure. Okay. One, two, three. Wait, that wasn't part of the number. <laughs> Don't dial one two three first. Three zero seven first. 307-745-3556. Well, you got it. That's our hotline number. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Worth a shot. Um so like I said, if you if you want to become more involved, if you want to volunteer, you can go to our website and check that out or you can give us a call at or, 307-745- three five five six there we there we go great job good work (laughs) (laughs) that's that staff support we're talking about yeah i really felt that but if you need help or you want to help reach out if you have questions about what it's like to be an advocate don't hesitate
4: and we hope you enjoyed our podcast and we hope you found it enlightening and fun thank you
0: (laughs) she was not introduced (laughs)